Archiver is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council and is part of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. I'm going to play you a bit of tape that, until recently, was in a box at the Spencer Research Library at the University of Kansas. Archiver historian Virgil Dean found it. It's a speech 79 years ago by William Allen White, editor of the Emporia Gazette, social commentator, player in national Republican politics. And, best that we can tell, this is the only surviving recording of the man known as the Sage of Emporia. William Allen White, editor of the Emporia Kansas Gazette. Since I first came to the University of Kansas 50 years ago and went out after four years without a degree, I've often asked myself, what is the thing we call an education and I don't know? You could hear the recording was speeded up just a bit at the beginning. The old quarter-inch tape had most likely been stretched over time. White, though, was said to have a rather pinched voice, and you could certainly hear that in his speech. While White said he didn't know a lot about education, it's clear that he did. White talked about the advantages of a good education, but for me, the most intriguing line was this. If he can read and reason sensibly, White said, he will not mistake kindnesses for cowardice. Seems like something we should be talking about now. And so we will. The podcast is Archiver, the episode, the most powerful newspaperman in Kansas history, me. I'm your host, Sam Zeff. Before I play you the speech, a little context. White was speaking on November 2nd, 1938, at a gala celebrating the 75th anniversary of KU. It was a nationally broadcast speech, originated by WREN, the KU radio station at the time, and picked up by the NBC Blue Network. It was front-page news in the Lawrence Daily Journal world, sharing space with the Civil War in Spain, the Japanese invasion of China, and the 16th annual potato exhibit at the Lawrence Armory. It was such a big deal that the local Western Union office stayed open late to receive the congratulatory telegrams. I ask archiver historian Virgil Dean about how he discovered the tape and what it means to actually hear White's voice. Actually, I was started looking into it because I was thinking about pushing a William Allen White episode with you uh, for archiver uh, about a year ago, I think it was, and uh, decided to check and see again if if there was a recording of White's voice because I had not heard there was one and I checked first with the State Historical Society and they said no they weren't aware of anything and then I thought well uh, you know most of White's collection uh, is in the Library of Congress uh, but I had easier access to the Spencer Research Library here at KU a few blocks from my house and I knew they had a White collection but I hadn't really looked at much that was to see what was in there and I just uh, essentially just went to the their website found the the guide to the white collection in the Spencer Kansas collection to the Spencer library and started perusing it uh, just down through the list and found one box with four items and one of them happened to say uh, I think said sound recording or audio recording of William Allen White's speech November 1938 on education, something to that effect. What does it mean to a historian to actually hear the recording, to hear the man's voice, to hear it in the moment? Does that have a special historical value? 
I think it does to a to a, an extent. Uh, prior to this, uh, even one of uh, White's biographers, or his most recent biographer, Sally Griffith, who I contacted, said she was not familiar with the tape, had not found that, and uh, was uh, under the impression from contemporary accounts that White spoke in a kind of high-pitched voice. Uh, so all you can do is imagine what it might have sounded like, and certainly that's what we have here. Of course. Uh, even allowing for some problems with the record with an old recording, uh, you get that impression. It's not a, a dynamic speaking voice by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it gives you an opportunity to get to know the person better, and especially I think for uh, people who are writing or trying to do a biography of somebody like that, uh, whatever you can find that helps you get to know them a little bit better, using that along with all the other historical evidence you have might. Uh, be of, of significant value. I'm going to play you most of the rest of his speech now. It was only about five minutes, part of a much longer program. Early in the speech, White had, frankly, some pretty boilerplate education ideas. Someone should be able to read 50 pages of a serious book and then write a cogent retelling with correct spelling and proper punctuation. All right. But then the speech turns thoroughly thought-provoking. White suggests that education leads to civility and even kindness. With this capacity for trained attention and coordinated comprehension of what one has read as evidenced by the ability to retell, uh, retell it in his own words, a man may go as far as he wants to go in exploring the entire realm of human knowledge. If he can read and re reason sensibly, he will know how to follow it, how to judge his fellows, how to spot a fool, how to know a knave when he meets him in the road. He will not mistake kindness for cowardice. He will not find himself suspecting everyone and believing everything, for curiously and paradoxically, the fool is always suspicious and prejudiced. Those two qualities go together. If a college course leaves a citizen at its end with tolerance, with intellectual curiosity, with a fair working knowledge of what are the various fields of human activity, then so far as a college can do, it has laid the foundation for a man's education. No college, no university course can do much more. A man might get that boost in high school. Lincoln had it when he learned to read and write. With the capacity for trained attention and a habit of intellectual curiosity, the student who leaves college or high school even will begin to get an education which will uh, develop survival qualities within whatever environment his ambition may lead him. He will develop his character in righteous ways, and by righteousness I don't mean piety at all. I mean the habit of just thinking and fair living with his fellow man. In these days when we are watching the debacle of a world that was too acquisitive, we may begin to realize the need of judgment and fair living. If education establishes in man good intellectual habits, he will perforce set up a philosophy that will bring him happiness. If we know the laws, for instance, of any place or any time, we may well hope to understand through experience reacting upon accurate information, the greater laws of life and nature, 
Then expanding education may lead us to some vague but sound and solemn sense that behind the laws which we know, all law, human and natural, there is the greater law, the law of the law. That force which in the long run through the centuries, epochs and ages makes for human progress. It was the strength of that law in the heart of the great Hebrew prophet which proudly proclaimed his faith that underneath are the everlasting hearts. He believed, I think, sincerely, and he said, made certain similar comments in other editorials and, and the like, that an educated populist was the, the thing that would, would save America, would make for a stable society. And he talked about he wasn't too concerned about Bolshevism in the early 20s because he thought American society would see it for what it was. Communism would be the, kind of the same way. Not that they weren't, couldn't be threats, in White's opinion, but that America would s close the door on them if people would look at things reasonably and think about the issues and be, be informed about the issues. I just want to highlight something that I just read and, and ask you specifically about it. He will not mistake kindness for cowardice. And that really resonates with me now. Uh, and the word that pops into my mind now is snowflake. That any time you might show a bit of kindness, whether it's uh, an individual or the government, that there is something snowflakey mm -hmm. about it. W what do you think he meant in 1938 when he said that? Well, that's, it's really an interesting phrase that he uses, I agree. I think the whole idea of uh, the bravado that so many people then, as well as in more recent times, uh, think is a, the true sign of bravery and patriotism, uh, is what White's saying is, is not always the case. I mean, you can be forceful and, and try to uh, beat the drum of patriotism or uh, try to stir people up emotionally, but that's not uh, what uh, it's all about necessarily, and that being concerned about your fellow man, being concerned about humanity generally, and being kind or sh striving for justice for all people uh, would be something else, something that was not, as far as White was concerned, a sign of weakness. And I think that's the idea. You can be strong and still be kind, be compassionate, and uh, uh, probably reflecting to a great extent on uh, Hitler, Mussolini, uh, their ap the appeal of these kinds of, of ma this kind of mass appeal of these kind of leaders. There's a great biography on White by Sally Foreman Griffith, written in 1989, and there's White's autobiography, published posthumously in 1946. But filmmaker Kevin Wilmot, a friend of Archiver, is making a documentary about White's life, it's being narrated by legendary news anchor and documentarian Bill Curtis. Now, you may just know him as the announcer on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, or the narrator of the Anchorman movies. But Curtis has had a celebrated journalism career. He's won two Peabody's and a DuPont. Full disclosure, I produced several documentaries for Bill that aired on A&E in the late 90s. Bill talked to me from his studio in Chicago. If there was one thing that people needed to know about William Allen White, what he meant to journalism today, what do you think that would be? 
Uh, wisdom. You know, he was the voice of the Midwest. We don't have those anymore. One, the United States has become so homogenized by television primarily, now social media, that we're all one. Now, that's a good thing. But uh, back in those days, um, the politicians would always stop by and see William Ellen White. They would read the editorial to get to know what farmers are thinking, rural, small-town folks. And so it's a, a wisdom, it's a voice that was thought to be peculiarly Midwestern. Is there a lesson for young journalists in the way William Allen White went about his editorship or his writing, uh, which I found uh, both fairly clear uh, but also entertaining? Uh, if you had a, if you had a, a group of uh, journalism students uh, in front of you, is there a, a lesson you would uh, you would give them from uh, William Allen White's career? I think that's a good summary. It's um, it's, it's simple. A very clear, a good declarative sentence so that you do not miss the point. There is no fine uh, writing that uh, you're trying to impress somebody with. Um, it uh, is to the point. Uh, he had a sense of humor. And that, of course, is what keeps you reading. Uh, you can have a, uh, a structure of pure facts and provide, you know, the journalistic uh, exercise of informing people, but who's going to read it? Um, you have to make it uh, entertaining along the way. And that's what he had. So to be mentioned by William Allen White was uh, a, a great achievement, uh, just like Will Rogers. Uh, if they talked about you, you had it made. To sum it up, I think it's a simple style um, very clear, um, very concise and correct, um, but with a smile and um, perhaps a laugh along the way. Wit, wisdom, sage, all William Allen White writing qualities, but there was passion too. Dip your pen into your arteries and write, he said. White, it seems to me, spoke and wrote not just for Emporia, but for Goodland and Dodge City and Chillicothe in Missouri and Enid in Oklahoma and every other small town in the Midwest. And with government and media in flux, maybe even in crisis, there's no better time to remember and study William Allen White. That's Archiver. The podcast is produced by Matt Hodap in the studios of KCUR 89.3 in Kansas City and is made possible by a grant from the Kansas Humanities Council. Archiver is a co-production of Fountain City Frequency and Do Good Productions, where Nancy Seelan is executive producer. You can see lots of pictures of William Allen White at FountainCityFrequency.com. My thanks to Kathy Lafferty and Christopher Banyulos of KU Spencer Research Library and to Bill Curtis for sharing his thoughts. And if you like the podcast, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. For my favorite Kansas historian, Virgil Dean, I'm Sam Zeff, and I'll see you on the next Archiver.